This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday, 10 of May in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, thank you for rolling over from the previous hour. Uh, we, so we got a lot to get to. We're going we're gonna to pregame the uh, town hall um, tonight on, on CNN, and we're going to actually stream that on Getter. I want ever if you want to join the community, get on Getter, and we're going to live stream this. It's totally free. It's easy to do. If you have any questions, just you know, go get to Mo or get to Grace Chung right now. Make sure you do. We're gonna have a live chat going in the entire time. We want you part of the community. Uh, this is a big deal. The replatform, as I said, and I called this. Caitlin Collins has just been announced a leak over at CNN. She's been given, I think, a huge contract, and she's gonna host the 9 p.m. She's gonna get the 9 p.m. slot. You could see that one coming a mile away. And for all those that knew Caitlin. Uh, early in her career over at Tucker Carlson's um, Daily Caller. I know that uh, everybody uh, congratulates her. Uh, so we're going to get to all that. I've got to go to the border. I've got Barris has got a new set of numbers on Florida, but he's going to go back to his national polling. I've got one of the leaders, the uh, public intellectuals and thought leaders of the conservative movement and dare say I, the MAGA movement, Daniel McCarthy from Modern Age. Uh, he's got an amazing piece up in American Mind. Uh, that I've had up on my Getter account since early this morning when I saw it. We got a lot to get to. Krom, I want to finish with you. Krom, how do people, uh, and here's the thing, you know, to man the ramparts of the worm every day, it gets the tensions a little there because we got the, you know, the, the Warren Posse's, the head of the creditors committee, we got them jammed in the corner. They're hating on the war room posse because what we're doing on the creditors committee uh, in this debt ceiling fight, uh, we're, we're the biggest advocates of closing the border. All of it, uh, and we know it's stressful to people. So if you're going to be lion-hearted, you need uh, you need salty for your heart. How do people actually order it? Walk through the process of how they actually get it. Steve, the the simple way to get uh, salty is to go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com, and that'll take you through Warroom Health to salty. And then when you order the subscription, which is by far the best way to do it because our product works over time, it's all natural. It helps to, uh, uh, helps to stop, stop the creation of cholesterol in one part of the liver. And then it also seeps out into your bloodstream and helps your cardiovascular, <clears throat> cardiovascular system. But then when you get to Soul Tea and you buy the subscription, if you'll use the code WARROOM at checkout, that's WARROOM at checkout, You'll save $29.95 off your very first shipment, which is a 50% discount. And then after that, on the subscription, we ship you 90-day supply every 90 days, and you get three bottles for the price of two on an ongoing basis, and we always pay the freight. So there are no surprises, and it is a, it's, a, it's a great product. And, uh, and I thank you so much, Steve, for letting me tell the posse about Soul Team. 
No, this concentrate of uh, green tea is just incredible, and uh, you've done such a great job in developing this product. Uh, Krom, uh, good to have you back. Thanks for being on today. Thank you. Thank you. Krom Carmichael kind of bifurcated that, right? First part in the first half of the show and the second part in the, in the uh, second hour. I've got a lot of stuff on the border, but I'm not going to just hold it. I think we're going we're gonna to change things up here. I, wa- I want to hold that. There's some very dramatic footage. As you know, today we had Todd Benzman down, uh, and Todd Benzman was, I think, in, in Renosa. He's right down there. Uh, oh, no, he might have been a little farther south. He might have been across from, from Brownsville. Uh, very dramatic footage from Todd today. Very dangerous down there. We had uh, Congressman Wesley Hunt on in the last hour, and, and he's talking about tomorrow we're going to vote on this border security bill. Uh, I know for a lot of folks in this audience, it is not as hardcore as we want, but it's what they can get past right now, and it's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, not that that's going that's not to, that's not going to solve the crisis we have right now. The crisis we have right now, the state of Texas has got to step up. Abbott's got to stop the happy talk, although I, we are seeing some footage from uh, authorities in Texas kind of repelling, saying, hey, you can't come in. So we're going to get to all that a little bit later. I want to get a Barrison here. Been doing. He's been in the field and he's out. And and Richard, particularly for tonight, because uh, this is a very in, important inflection point. There's a lot of numbers coming out that shows that uh, Trump has a uh, not an ig- insignificant lead over uh, over Biden in many of the polls. Uh, that he is uh, spreading the field and dominating on the primary. And I keep advocating we don't need a primary. This is just a distraction. For the for the moneyed interest to try, try to take shots at, at at Trump through all the instruments they're going to use, uh, but you've got new polling coming out of Florida. I want to I just want to hit the reset button and remember a couple hours away from the, from the town hall. There's a big the replatforming of President Trump tonight. I I don't believe the entire first term he was ever on CNN. I think we they, we had these huge fights in the campaign with Zucker and these guys who were just terrible people, and they essentially banned a sitting president from actually being on CNN, I think, the entire time. So tonight's a, a very big deal. Uh, and I'm quoted, there's a Bloomberg story up now on the terminal for all you traders, the lead story in Bloomberg. And I talk about this is a very important moment for President Trump, but it's also this fight between Murdoch and Malone and about what they're trying to turn CNN to, what Fox is doing. And Fox is it's coming hard after, uh, after Tucker, as you can see this. This is a very, very complicated uh, but we're going to get to more of that. Richard, first off, hit the rewind button. Talk about your national polling, particularly as we're getting into this town hall tonight. Where, where does this whole race, where does Trump stand nationally before we drill down on your, your new poll, which are just coming out on Florida? Yeah, Steve, we're doing national polling, and thanks for having me on, as always. We're, you know, we're doing national polling almost uh, every day now. Uh, so the idea is whether or not Trump holds and maintains the 60% and whether or not DeSantis goes back near 20 or he falls. So that's why we continue to keep going with this national polling. And then we looked at Florida because we wanted to know, you know, we're, we're all looking at a lot of these earlier states and people will start to see the results of them soon. But this is such a blowout nationally that to me, the number one question was, is this even close in Florida anymore? This is the governor's, obviously, his his state. Uh, we have seen governors lose their own home states before to eventual nominees. It happened, by the way. Jeb Bush was out before they even got to Florida. So I want to, you know, preface that, you know, preface these numbers with that, that Florida will react, you know, to the national numbers. And it will react to primary victories and caucus victories that come before it. So 
Can we throw up the first slide which just shows the uh, Republican presidential nomination polls? So since I've been on Monday, you know, I mean, the numbers haven't really changed that much. Trump is at 60. Um, DeSantis ticked down almost uh, another full point, but 16.16. Let's be fair. Round up to 17. Uh, this is a stable margin for Trump that is a blowout nationally. And if you look at Florida right below it, that's the first one is with all of the candidates that we poll nationally also in the race. Trump is below 50 in Florida, which is the one of the only states that he is. Okay, ho, and, ho, 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 ho. Yeah. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Particularly for our podcast and vast radio audience that can't yeah, see, that can't see the, uh, the I, I want to go back because you're not saying it tongue in cheek rounding up. The spread between Trump and, yeah. uh, and DeSantis DeSantis is a seven. You're the first guy, and I give you full credit because I said eventually you're going to see DeSantis in the 20s, and you corrected me. You said, No, Steve, I think the way I'm seeing trending, you're going to see DeSantis in the teens. And I never thought you'd see DeSantis in the teens. I thought he'd get to the low 20s. But now you're talking mid teens, and you're saying, Oh, let's round up. He's the Trump versus DeSantis, when you look at it from a national perspective, and I understand that DeSantis camp is selling hard. That hey, you can't look at nationals. You got to look, you know, state by state. Although you just made the brilliant point, all of the states are informed by how things are going to roll nationally. No, no, no state is an island unto itself. And people that think that no. don't understand the way that the information society works. So go back. We say rounding up to seventeen percent is talk to me about DeSantis in this primary from a national perspective, sir. If you're down, Steve, 43 points to 45 points on any given day uh, nationally, the, the competitive states, especially the early primary, even your own home state, uh, you're not going to be competitive in them. That translates to other states. National polls lead states. And as we start to see voting, uh, Trump holds these leads, beats him in Iowa. They pivot. They go to New Hampshire. This is going to get uglier for DeSantis, not better. It will get uglier. Ask Rudy Giuliani. He planted his whole strategy on Florida in 08, and it didn't work. Why? Because the fundraising, they start to get weak at the knees. I can't give to you if you can't carry delegates. Um, by the time we get to Florida, even though Florida's earlier than it was back, you know, back then, by the time we get to Florida, voters, there's no nice way to put it other than this, Steve. Voters yeah. don't want to vote for a loser. All right, I'm not talking about hardcore but, MAGA but, voters but, and but, hardcore but, but, Trump voters. Yeah. But, but there's something deeper here, too. Your, it was announced today, right? They had it on the Hill, and I think they had it in the journal. I think the journal, yeah. journal or excuse me, Bloomberg broke it. Bloomberg broke it. Steve Schwartzman. And Schwartzman and Ken Griffin have been two of the big driving forces in backup. I mean, these guys, they can write a $100 million check and it does not impact at all their personal lifestyle. I want you to think about it. They could write a hundred million dollar check <laughs> yeah. and it'd be like you, it, it, they know these guys can write a hundred million dollars cash money and it has no impact on how they live their lifestyle. That's the type of stroke these guys have. Schwartzman told Bloomberg today and they had it up on the terminal before the opening of trading today. He's out as far as DeSantis goes. A big part of that is your, you're polling and others are coming in that's showing DeSantis in a kind of a free fall or bottoming, bottoming, bottoming out, bottoming out in the mid to high teens. And he's, a you know, these guys, these hedge fund guys are mathematically 
inclined, they sit there and go, hang on for a second. He's 43 to 45 points behind before this thing starts against a, yeah. a beast like Trump. That's the counterpuncher of all counterpunchers. And these ads that Trump's been running on Social Security particularly have had some impact. This is why Schwartzman, and I'm telling you, DeSantis's entire logic of his campaign is built around Wall Street money to stop the populist move. Ken Griffin's very blunt about this. It's to stop populism. The Murdochs are very blunt about this. This is why Tucker's off the 8 o'clock slot. Your numbers are showing it. How, uh, how bad, can it get any worse for DeSantis on a national level when you're in the high teens right now? I, 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 think, I think so. I hate, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I say that because when he was at 31% in our poll, I didn't expect until later, and we spoke, I didn't expect that he would fall to 20 that quickly. Uh, that's why I, I said he's going to go below 20 because it was just so rapid. So now I thought over the weekend, 17, 18, you know, that's it. He's not going to dip into 16s. And <laughs> last night he was in 16. I mean, that's why he's down now more because last night he was below his average of 17 uh, point something usually now at this point in, in the game. So it's pulling him down even further. And the more days we accrue, if this continues, the more he'll fall. So it, it is possible. Steve, in Florida specifically, two things made a really big deal. One, Trump's recovery with seniors that were giving DeSantis a look. And that has been going on for a month. But two, we heard an awful lot about this overseas trip. Uh, you know, Florida voters, God, Florida voters, what are you doing in Japan? What are you doing in Great Britain? Like nobody believed that he was out there trying to gather jobs, Steve, for Florida. They know he's trying to run for president. So they're looking at, especially older voters, these older Republican voters do their due diligence. They really look. The What came out of it? I love him as governor. He's not ready for prime time. And when we push them in this two-way race, so Trump is just under 50 in the in the full field in Florida, and DeSantis is at 36. And I can give some specific demographics before we move into the two-way push, which is basically if you only had Trump and DeSantis to pick and you had to make a decision, you know, you try to nudge them to do it. Um, that's, you know, just a head-to-head. But even before we do that, Steve, Trump is only ahead with whites, 49-36. He's ahead with Hispanics in Florida, 56-33. to So in this whole big, you know, to-do from Team DeSantis about how well he did in South Florida, which I have argued was happening no matter what. Mickey Mouse would have carried Miami Dave, Steve. You and I have been talking about this for years. I've been trying to tell people this was going to happen in Miami Dade. In Miami Dade, Hispanics are backing Trump. So that should tell you everything you need to know. Monroe would be closer. Pinellas would be closer. Uh, but generally, uh, out where, you know, it's Gates territory in the panhandle, that's d Trump dominant. North central Florida, Trump dominant. Southeastern Florida, Trump dominant. Go and the Space Coast, Trump dominant. So DeSantis does best with some older, more traditionist voters, but he doesn't have to lead with them anymore. So when we push and we say, okay, it's just Trump and DeSantis, level best. What's it going to be? Then that's where you can see if you put that up again, you'll see Trump increases from the full to the two way. He increases almost 10 full points. DeSantis does go up. He goes from 36 to 41. 
Trump more, it basically doubles what DeSantis uh, gets in a two-way. So how much? So this concept the DeSantis campaign has been pushing to all these donors, the donors aren't buying anymore, and it's probably smart that they're not. The idea that you can get them in a two-way race and beat them as long as you get them head-to-head is not true anymore. It's not even true in the Sunshine State, let alone some of these other states. New Hampshire, we're looking at like two to one leads uh, in a two-way race right now. So uh, this you said before that his entire campaign is based off of some flawed, uh, some you know flawed money people. They made some flawed assumptions. That's really what this comes down to. You know the indictments are going to hurt him. If I get him head to head, I can beat him. Right now, that is not at all true. Not even in your own home state. This is very problematic. I, 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 I want to, a couple of things I want to do. Hispanics, once again, the Hispanic vote, this is Florida, 56-33, correct? 50, let me just look, 55.6 to 33.3. So right there. I mean, my God, <laughs> Steve, that's 23 points. I mean, 24 if you round. I mean, this is not close. In in, in a two-way of just Trump DeSantis in, in, uh, in Florida, give me that number again. In the two-way with Trump and this, Trump goes from 47.8 to 57.6. DeSantis does increase from 35.8, but he only increases to 40.7. Uh, and, and, and again, the undecided – oh, I almost forgot this. This is very important. The undecided in the full race is 4.5%. When you match them head-to-head, it falls to 1.7. So again, you have to change minds at this point. It's not simply enough that you're going to consolidate the so-called anti-Trump field and get them all behind one candidate, and then you'll be able to beat them. That is not true yep. anymore. That's not only can a, you, you don't have enough votes, you have to change minds. Right. Good luck. 5740. Wow. That is, that is a blockbuster number. Uh, in, 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 uh, that's what he bases his presence. It braces run on was all these other the Keebler L's falling out. He gets Trump in a, in, a, in a mano a mano and can beam. It just can't happen. But it's not the possible. buried lead in all this, and, and I want you to repeat this, as you talk to, to seniors, we like him as governor. We don't think he's ready for the big state. We want him to stay mature, do a great job here in his second term, and then the world's his oyster, essentially, that, that we like him as governor, but we're not buying that he's flying around to Japan Japan, uh, excuse me, Korea, Japan, Israel, and in the, the city of London in five days on a trade mission for the state of Florida. Am I, am I correct in that assumption? 100%. And there's still, they, like I said, they love him. They do. They just don't love him as president. And they even were thinking, you know, of giving him a, a, a look. They were giving him a look, you know, polling Florida two months ago. DeSantis would have been ahead, probably. Uh, there was a time when he was ahead. Uh, so this is a matter of people looking, Steve. That's another problem with this idea that he's going to get a bounce after he gets vetted. It's in the New York Times just today. He already got his bounce and he's been vetted. He was already halfway vetted. His own state the older the older voters from you know above 45 uh really 50 and above but let's just say above 45 that was the chance he had they're very diligent voters they're looking at all of this the trip overseas uh, you know, they, they, 
don't you you can't insult people's intelligence too a little part of this comes down to that and they still like him but you know don't make it about a trade mission we know what you're doing right uh we know you want to run for president and and that's that's fine there is some as well uh there there was some voters who did bring up that it really wasn't his time and you know trump helped him uh, he shouldn't yep. be doing this. So there is a danger for DeSantis of burning himself with some of these voters. Yep. I, you know, and Florida is a little bit different of a case. But nationally, those other voters we were looking at in the Trump or bust, Steve, these voters don't forgive. They don't forgive. I'm talking last, about on last, a national scale. Last, they will not forgive yeah, him ever. Last thing. about let's, let's, let's talk about New Hampshire just where we go. What, what is your data? Out of New Hampshire uh, show uh, tonight is supposed to be registered Republicans or people independents are leaning Republican. These are potential Republican voters. Give us your give us your snapshot and thoughts on New Hampshire. New Hampshire, when you have the full field, looks very close to the nation overall. Um, when you pit them head to head, it's looking like you know. Again, when it's done, don't hold me to this. But right now, it's about sixty-five thirty-five. It, it bobbles between sixty-five thirty-five, sixty-six thirty-three. The undecided is getting very small. It's very early to see one two percent undecided, like we're seeing here. Even nationally, the undecided has fallen to five percent. That this is very early for this. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, our undecided was 10, 15, or 18 percent. So people are deciding here. Things have happened that made people come to an, a decision. And uh, to again, this is about now. If you want to be Trump, you have to change their mind. That is much, much more difficult than simply yeah. persuading someone who is on the fence That's and doesn't know where they're going to go. Changing their mind requires a lot more. And I, I know that I know what their idea is. Their idea is, is another indictment will come and these voters will be spooked by that. I don't know, Steve. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't Not see gonna it. Happen. I, Not going to happen. I don't see it. They're digging their East, heels in, Steve. The, 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 inf the inflection point was East Palestine. When he went to East Palestine, as we say, went to East Palestine, only Trump can do that. Only Trump can do that. And I think it reawakened people to 16 and what, what this man stands for, what this movement stands for. Richard, how do people get to you? Locals is the best way. We're going to look at this Trump or bus vote a lot more. Peoplespundit.locals.com. If I can, Steve, because we didn't have a chance. There's a lot of talk about that suburban voter who won't vote for, uh, you know, who, who may vote for DeSantis, but would vote for Biden against Trump. We actually, and we're going to talk about this a lot more, we put these numbers together. The Trump or bus vote is more than three times the size of that vote. And I would love to come back and talk about that in more detail because everyone focuses yeah. on this tiny little share, Steve, and they're missing the Big 13 time. and a half million people who would never vote for anybody else but Trump. It's ridiculous. This is what I keep, you, you just nailed it. I said the 74 million votes, I said all the Keebler elves combined, plus throwing a couple are, are not going to get the 74 million votes. No way. You got, you got, you've, you have a, you have a phenomenon that just does not happen. It's, I will get you back. I'll, I'll talk to you after the show, and we'll tr hopefully get you back on tomorrow. Richard, you're doing amazing That's, work. Thanks, brother. Sounds good. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Uh, I want to bring in Daniel McCarthy. We've got a couple of minutes here uh, before we go to break, and then I'll bring Daniel back after the break. Uh, Daniel, uh, you're at the Modern Age. Uh, I think you founded the Modern Age, and, and you're the editor over there. But you're one of the most... Um, brilliant on a consistent basis 
writers and thinkers out there in the conservative movement, and I would say in the MAGA movement, you wrote this incredible piece for American Mind that Trump can win. Uh, and it really talked about getting back to 16 and running outside. Walk us through and take your time. Give us the snapshot first. We've got a couple of minutes here, and we'll get into the details on the other side of the break. Give, give, us, give us Daniel McCarthy's theory of the case. Yeah, so I'm in the Washington, D.C. area, and I interact with a lot of the conservative movement's leaders, um, a lot of folks who've really uh, done their uh, service in various, uh, you know, not just Republican administrations, but in the conservative movement in the trenches. But they're based here in Washington, D.C., and so they wind up being influenced by the kind of mentality that the swamp creatures have. And it's a defeatist mentality. It's a mentality which says that... um, the only way that the right can possibly win in elections is to take no risks. And of course, that's actually proved to be the opposite of the truth, that when the right takes risks, as it did with Donald Trump in 2016, it can actually wind up being very successful. Whereas every time the right tries to play it safe and tries to pick a uh, you know uh, a somewhat center-right or centrist Republican as its nominee, uh, you find out you get a disaster. Either you lose the election, or you know if you get a George W. Bush who wins the election, he winds up you know governing as uh, you know someone who's very little different from a Clinton or from an Obama. It's an utter disgrace. So the first thing I've tried to show is that the consensus here in Washington, which says that Trump simply cannot win up against Biden that, uh, you know, the um, the polls, you know, supposedly are meant to be so negative on Trump that uh, Republicans should just not even consider him. They should just, you know, automatically look for someone else like DeSantis. Uh, that's actually not true. First of all, it's, it's certainly not true today where the, the polls actually show, uh, you know, national polling aggregates that you find on Real Clear Politics and elsewhere have Donald Trump up by about a point right now. But even if Trump were trailing in those aggregates by, you know, two points or three points, that would still be a sign that he would probably win an election in 2024. Uh, The reason for that being that if we look back at 2020 and we look at 2016, both of those times Trump outperformed on election day what the polling aggregates on election day said he would get. And Trump always did at least about three points better than what the polling aggregates on election day said he was going to do. Now, if that carries through to 2024, what that will mean is that the 2024 polls, they may have you know, Biden up by two points, but that would actually probably be a win on election day for Donald Trump because of the way the polls are simply very bad at finding Trump voters, at correctly estimating their turnout and figuring out what we're going to see. So that's the, the sort of uh, the top line. Daniel, Daniel hang, hang on one second. We're going to take a short break. I want to get into the, you just gave us the great summary, uh, particularly about the Washington consensus and I have so many uh, friends that are also in the conservative movement, great people. But you're right. It's kind of this thing. They've been so beaten down. They're so beaten down. They said, you got everything's going to be risk mitigated. Your point is fortune favors the bold. Better to be bold here. That's the way you win. That's the way we won in 16. Daniel McCarthy from the modern age. His piece is up on American Mind. We've got it up on the site. We're pushing it out everywhere. Trump can win in 2024. He's going to walk you through the details. We return. It's the pregame For the town hall tonight on CNN, we're going to be live on Getter doing commentary all night. Back in a moment. President Trump recently issued a warning from his home at Mar-a-Lago. And I want to quote this. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be the greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. He did that in the interview that I had with him a couple weeks ago at his home. Now, there are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, 
deficit spending and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That would be gold. Gold has been a hedge against chaos from time immemorial. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Let me repeat that. Birch Gold professionals will hold your hand through this entire process. Now think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. It always has been. How much more time does the dollar actually have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Bannon to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Text again, Bannon, to 989898. Remember, the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket to get this information and start the process. Do it today. Take action. Are you tired of progressive corporations and exhausted trying to keep up with all the virtue signaling when you're simply trying to buy products? Progressive corporate America continues to push messaging that further alienates conservative Americans, all while eroding the future of the American dream. It's prominent all over the country. Companies like Starbucks strong-arming their customers to support abortion. Financial services like PayPal canceling customers for their political views. Makeup companies like Maybelline making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. And beer companies like Bud Light forcing gender ideology on you when all you want is to enjoy a cold beer. Thankfully, we don't have to fund these companies any longer with our hard-earned dollars. With Public Square, we now have a solution. It's simple. Join the movement of millions of patriotic Americans who love truth, our country, and our Constitution at publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Whether you're looking to buy coffee, find a new athletic clothing that knows what a woman is, and shop for clean skin care, or simply find a new restaurant in your community that won't lecture you about your political views, publicsq.com is your resource. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform so that you can actually receive incentive for spending money with companies that don't hate you. Public Square is free to join as consumer or a business owner, and you can get started today at publicsq.com. Remember, either as a consumer or a business owner, download the app now. That's publicsq.com, publicsq.com. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you, the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, 
Why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because EnviroCleanse, advanced mineral technology, goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness-causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com and use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com code Steve. ekpure.com code Steve. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, welcome back. Um, our guest is a Daniel McCarthy from the modern age. And that, like I said, Daniel is one of the leading public intellectuals in the conservative movement, quite frankly, globally in the uh, in this movement. Uh, Daniel, I, I don't want to say it's because of your, your piece that's so uh, well thought through and backed up with with data and backed up with some serious thinking in, in uh, the American mind. But the Hill newspaper did lead this morning with the Democrats have a sinking feeling that Trump is going to win again. And then good old Rich Lowry, our buddy over at National Review, has got a, a piece up in Politico this afternoon that, that Trump can't lose. I know, it hurt, I know it hurt Rich to have that headline. But go through it. You, you've given us the overall theory of the case. Take your time and walk through. I've carved out some time here because this piece is so important for our audience to understand the intellectual kind of infrastructure that you've got that supports your theory, sir. Yeah, one of the important po points I try to make in the piece is the idea that there is some alternative Republican brand that is more popular than Donald Trump is completely false. And a lot of folks in Washington, D.C., they like to imagine that, uh, for example, George W. Bush winning re-election in 2004 um, indicates that, okay, there is some sort of center-right uh, Bush style, or maybe, you know, uh, maybe you could take the Bush thing and, and make it slightly more conservative, but still try to be compassionate. And you could try to win uh, with the kind of coalition that George George W. Bush had in 2004, that you could replay that election. And that is a winning electoral map for the Republican Party and a map back to power for conservatives. And uh, I, I disassemble that idea. I basically dispel that myth. Um, in 2004, George W. Bush had every possible advantage. He was an incumbent. The Iraq war was still popular. Uh, gay marriage was still a battle that was being fought state by state. There were a lot of uh, ballots on state initiatives, uh, state initiatives on ballots across the country in 2004 that brought out social conservatives, the values voters who dragged George W. Bush across the line in 2004. All of these things were advantageous for George W. Bush in 2004. And yet even with all of this, you know, going, uh, you know, on his uh, side of the ledger, he still couldn't break 300 electoral votes. He came within about two states of losing the 2004 election. And uh, one of the states that he had in his coalition in 2004 was the state of Virginia, where I live. Virginia has since become uh, a purple and now basically a blue state in many respects. 
And that electoral map, the 2004 map that got George W. Bush reelected, if you replayed it today, it would lose for anyone. It would lose for George W. Bush, even with all the advantages he had back then. And today, of course, those establishment Republicans or those center-right Republicans like Bush, they don't have those advantages. Uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you no longer have people going to the ballot boxes in order to vote on gay marriage referenda, that's going to, you know, mean that you don't have quite as many social conservatives who are going to engage on that issue. The fact that, uh, you know, the foreign policy of the Bush administration and the Republican establishment as a whole has been such an unmitigated disaster that gets you into endless wars that only conclude with national humiliation like we got in Afghanistan. All of that means that you simply cannot resurrect this uh, Republican, uh, you know, ghoul, this, this 2004 Republican coalition. It's a corpse. It can't be, you know, brought back to life no matter how much electricity you try to pump into it. Instead, what the Republicans have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Daniel, 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 hang on one second. I just want to. And and to Karl Rove, I'm no fan of Karl Rove. He's less of a fan of mine. But his credit, he made sure those ballot initiatives were on. I mean, this is one of his great things that he worked on. However, is this why Fox continues to have Karl Rove on all the time with, with his thinking and his strategy? Is that they believe that that brand can be uh, resuscitated? I think that's right. Karl Rove uh, has this mystique because people think that he won elections that otherwise wouldn't have been successful. Whereas, in fact, you know, an incumbent like George W. Bush with the advantages that he had in 04 was probably going to win re-election. And in fact, it's kind of a shocking failure that George W. Bush in 2004 couldn't break 300 electoral votes. I think the last time you had an election where the incumbent uh, didn't break, um, you know, 300 electoral votes and won re-election successfully, you have to go back, you know, before 1920 to find examples of that. So normally either an incumbent loses re-election, you know, like uh, Jimmy Carter, or an incumbent wins re-election with, you know, 300 plus electoral votes. George W. Bush was the only one who broke that pattern, won re-election, but did it by a very, very narrow margin. And again, that's a sign that, uh, you know, someone like Karl Rove is not quite the uh, mastermind and genius that people think he was. By contrast, Donald Trump in 2016 wins more than 300 electoral votes. Donald Trump actually does what people like Karl Rove thought was impossible. And Donald Trump was able to bring new people into the Republican coalition. He was able to win states that the Republican establishment had been trying to win for about 20 years and constantly failed ever since the 1990, uh, you know, uh, 1992 election. States like Pennsylvania, states like Michigan. Trump was able to win these states because he was talking about a lot of bread and butter issues that ordinary Americans responded to. He was talking about jobs, immigration, uh, you know, he was talking about trade, he was talking about foreign policy. The idea that we should stay out of these endless wars, these, you know, sort of ideological wars all across the planet to promote democratic revolutions everywhere. You know, it's not that voters are, you know, extremely sophisticated about foreign policy and want to, you know, think about all the different geostrategic moves being made by the different players. They just know that when you have a war that goes on in Afghanistan for 20 years, when Americans are coming back missing limbs or they're coming back in body bags, when we're pouring trillions of dollars into a complete failed state like Afghanistan or Iraq, that this is a disgrace and it's something that we cannot continue to do indefinitely. And of course, now the same people who led us into these you know, open-ended conflicts in Afghanistan and elsewhere, they're doing the same thing in Ukraine. And Ukraine may be fighting a defensive war and, you know, Ukraine, I think, will survive against Putin's attack. But the idea that, you know, giving, uh, you know, Ukraine a blank check, giving it unlimited arms and unlimited money is going to deliver results that are going to be dramatically different from what we saw in uh, Afghanistan. I think that's mistaken. I think that, you know, if we don't have a plan to create a secure peace 
which is going to require creative diplomacy of the type that Trump brought to his administration in 20, uh, you know, between 2017 and 2021. If you don't have that kind of initiative that Trump had, instead you're going to get a situation of just ongoing chaos, instability, you know, both in Ukraine and in Russia, that's going to be extremely dangerous for America. And I think the American people increasingly are aware of this. Certainly Republican voters in the primaries seem to be very much aware of it. He gave us four years of peace and prosperity after that historic come from behind win in 2016. Uh, Daniel, while I've got you about, about the peace and about Trump can win in 2024, we know this, and I know this from the hedge fund guys that, that are some of the people that are sponsors of DeSantis. In the room, the presentation when DeSantis is there with the big money is that Trump can't win. I'm the only one that can, that can pull the Republican Party together. All the other people else will fall by the wayside. I can beat Trump uh, in a primary. And my message is I'm the only one that can beat a general. Your, your, your theory of the case and, and, and the evidence you put in this article goes against that. Why? Tell us about it. Well, think about this. What is DeSantis's brand? It seems to me that there are two possibilities there. One is that DeSantis is a younger and perhaps uh, less encumbered by legal difficulties version of Trump. But that's not going to work in a Republican primary because, of course, he's running against the actual Donald Trump. And the actual Donald Trump already has the affections of millions upon millions of voters. They're not going to abandon him. They're not going to betray him for the sake of a younger model. So if DeSantis wants to run as the heir to the populist movement that Trump uh, built up, he should be doing that in 2028 rather than trying to do it against Trump in 2024 when it just doesn't make any sense. The other approach that someone like DeSantis might take is to say, well, this entire populist uh, project has failed, and so you need to have a Republican who is just a Republican and not a populist Republican, not a Trump Republican, and you need to have just some alternative, some ordinary vanilla Republican conservative as you know, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the banner carrier, the spear carrier of this movement. But that doesn't make any sense either, because uh, the Republican brand is, if anything, much more toxic than the Trump brand, not necessarily because liberals are more, you know, sort of outraged by ordinary Republicans than they are by Donald Trump, but because a lot of conservative voters, a lot of heartland voters, a lot of middle Americans, they look at the Republican brand and they say, wait a minute, this is a brand that's about rich guys. This is a brand that's about abandoning uh, Palestine and abandoning, uh, you, know, uh, you know, small town America, abandoning our factories. So that, that brand, that Republican brand that is a non-Trump brand, is not popular at all, even with the core uh, Repub uh, Republican voting base. What the Republican voting base wants is to see the party actually be loyal to its interests and its concerns, which are about jobs, they're about national you know, citizenship and identity, and they're about uh, you know, peace and prosperity as opposed to this project of trying to uh, bring uh, you know, the, many of the worst features of American progressivism to the entire planet uh, through the barrel of a gun. Daniel, let me ask, uh, because you know this, I'm going to break it down, triage it. Um, you have the conservative intellectuals, which you know as well as anybody. You have the money, the big donors, and particularly the big cores of Republican money on, on Wall Street in an industry and in real estate. And then you have uh, what is the party, the, the, the political operatives and the party that, that is here both in D.C. but then throughout the country. Why is it when it's so obvious? that a populist nationalist movement can bring more people in, can have energy. Why does it seem like all three elements of that, of the official traditional Republican Party, spend more time fighting this than they actually do fighting progressive Democrats, sir? 
Yeah, I think it's two reasons. One is that a lot of them live in virtual reality. Uh, if they live in Washington, D.C. or a few other enclaves where they may be the only conservatives in what's otherwise a very blue zone, uh, they are um, susceptible to the assumptions that everyone around them is making. And they're susceptible to uh, there's, there's almost a domino effect where cowardice becomes contagious. And people who lose their nerve and say, hey, you know, we can't win by being on the right. We can't win by being populist or nationalist. Uh, when they when they switch and they decide to embrace, uh, you know, the uh, more uh, globalist agenda, the uh, sort of neocon agenda, when they decide that they, they when they do this just out of sheer cowardice, uh, it becomes infectious. And a lot of other, uh, you know, people around them start to say, you know what, uh, you know, if this guy's lost heart, maybe I am uh, someone who shouldn't be so bold either. Maybe I should also, uh, you know, do the prudent thing and the safe thing and uh, just go along with the flow of globalism and the Republican establishment and so forth. So cowardice and uh, you know this, this living in a bubble, living in virtual reality, that's one explanation. The other explanation, unfortunately, is that there are an awful lot of people who are engaged with the Republican Party and even engaged with the conservative movement who are actually on the other side. And they actually, they really are people who have, uh, you know, the same philosophical uh, outlook as most progressives, but they just want to do it a little more sanely than the progressives want to do it, right? So uh, yes to globalization, yes to, you know, open borders, but they want to do it a little more slowly. They want, you know, street crime to be a little lower. And so basically um, there was an old joke about, uh, you know, uh, certain kinds of Republicans being just the tax collectors for the welfare state. That was something that used to be said about uh, Bob Dole and the Bushes and whatnot. Well, there's a sense in which the same thing is true culturally, where an awful lot of Republicans and even a lot of conservatives, they're really just, uh, you know, kind of slow motion uh, left-wing radicals. They're not people who are actually trying to reverse course and go in a different direction. They're not trying to save, you know, the uh, traditional America. Instead, they want to march into the same kind of progressive, limitless, you know, uh, uh, trans-everything future, trans-globalist, transnational, transgender, the whole thing. But they just want to do it more slowly and prudently and, uh, you know, kind of uh, not upset their immediate circumstances. They're perfectly, you know, fine with living a little more conservatively themselves, but they really expect their grandchildren to be, you know, much farther to the left. And they're okay with that. They're happy with that. In 16, we ran a uh, anti-globalist, uh, you know, nationalist, uh, populist uh, campaign against what the Clinton apparatus was. If you had a chance to sit down with uh, President Trump and said, hey, look, I I'll give you some free advice of, of how I think you ought to position this in 2024, what would you tell him? Well, first of all, he needs to do uh, what you were able to help him do in 2016, which is to concretize things. So it's one thing to talk about citizenship and the border and, the, and uh, uh, immigration. But you need something as concrete as the wall, as an idea that's actually going to galvanize voters and get them to say, wait a minute, this is a, a clear difference that you're going to get if you vote for this guy, and you're not going to have it if you don't vote for him. So clear imagery is one thing. As far as the issues go, the core uh, issues that elected Donald Trump in 2016 are still, if anything, more important now than they were even then. So on immigration, for example, there are a lot of squishes out there. There are squishes who thought, well, you know, all the all the left, all the media is saying that Donald Trump was this ogre on immigration. And yes, we think there should be a little bit more immigration uh, restriction, but, you know, we want to see it done a little more softly and a more, little more gently. But it turns out that when you get someone like Joe Biden in office, and Joe Biden is, of course, a left-wing progressive, but he's under political pressure to try to do something about the border. But it turns out that even the mildest things that someone like Joe Biden, who's really a, you know, a mass immigration supporter, even the mild things that he does 
get uh, Joe Biden denounced by his own side, by Democrats and by progressives on Twitter and elsewhere. They say, oh, this guy's as bad or maybe even worse than Trump. You've got kids in cages again. You have everything happening once more. So I think a lot of voters who you know, wanted to see the Trump agenda to some extent, but were afraid of taking it all the way, they're now looking at the fact that you know, even the slightest things that a Joe Biden does are considered, are denounced you know, as just as extreme and just as you know, hostile to immigrants as uh, anything that Trump was doing. And they're gonna say, well, you know what? I guess you have to make a firm choice. You have to either choose uh, you know, something that's trending in the direction of open borders and you know, huge mass immigration, or you really have to take a Trump approach that's a hardline approach and try to you know, uh, really reduce certainly illegal immigration, but also uh, you know, turn down the faucet on legal immigration as well. So I think that's a winning issue for Donald Trump. Also, foreign policy is, if anything, going to be even a stronger issue for Donald Trump in 2024 than it was in 2016 or in 2020. Uh, in 2024, we see that the same formula that failed us in Afghanistan, that basically prolonged a war for 20 years and then ended in national humiliation for us, this is the strategy that Joe Biden is deploying in Ukraine. We don't have an end game in Ukraine. Joe Biden doesn't have any idea of what realistically can come about to restore peace in Ukraine. I mean, if you ask these people, you know, are you thinking that Ukraine is going to retake Crimea? How can you possibly believe that when you think Ukraine is not even going to get very much, you know, of the territory that they lost in the past year? They're not going to get much of that back from this uh, counteroffensive they're going to launch supposedly in the next month or two here. Well, you, you just get a divide by zero answer when you ask, you know, the foreign policy establishment that question. They will not give you a straight answer about, about Crimea. And Crimea obviously is central to this whole problem. Russia will never, ever let Crimea completely go out of their hands because they need Crimea for Black Sea access. They need that for their fleet. And uh, this has been a, a Russian objective in foreign policy for centuries. This is not about Putin. This is not about Putin's revanchism. That may or may not be a real thing. But certainly the Russian interest in Crimea and in the Black Sea, that is a permanent geo geostrategic and geographic interest of Russia's that, that, you know, you can't just get rid of that at the negotiating table. So I think Donald Trump is in a very strong position to point to the failures, the uh, you know sort of uh, open-ended uh, conflict that he's got us into in Ukraine, the uh, you know blank check that he's giving Zelensky, who's a very corrupt guy, and who knows where that money's going. We saw with Afghanistan, we gave them you know, end we gave them trillions of dollars, and we gave them endless amounts of American weapons. What happened at the end of the Afghanistan war after 20 years? Those weapons wound up in the hands of the Taliban. I mean, it's insane, Terrible. and yet here we are repeating this. I think if Donald Trump hammers that message home, he's going to do very well. Give us, uh, we got about two minutes. Uh, if you can give, if you're talking to Trump tonight, this is the first time he's been, in, I mean, it's shocking. CNN, he has not been on CNN during his entire first term. He's on tonight to reintroduce himself to, to a CNN audience. What would you tell President Trump he should focus on tonight uh, in this replatforming of, of him on CNN? You should focus on those central themes of his that defined him in 2016. And what he should not focus on are his immediate legal problems. And of course, you know, CNN and other elements of the media, that's exactly what they want to talk about. And Trump quite naturally wants to defend himself. He wants to defend his honor. He is quite right when he says that, you know, oftentimes these attacks on Trump are really a way of going after Trump's voters. You know, they're really going through him in order to get, uh, you know, the voters behind him. Be that as it may, I think talking about and getting into the weeds of all these legal difficulties, uh, that's something that will turn off a lot of Republicans who just aren't, you know, they don't want to make that the central issue of the 2024 campaign. And there are, you know, some degree of uh, voters who are not yet aligned either way and really are kind of open as they look at the 2024 choice. 
And uh, you don't want it to be, you know, to, to force them to have to be voting on legal problems as opposed to voting on what their own interests and their own neighborhoods are most concerned about. Daniel, uh, it's very rare to meet someone with uh, with uh, wisdom and also the applied understanding of applied politics. Um, how do people get to you? What's your social media? How do they get to your website? How do they find out more about the modern age? Yeah, they can find out more about Modern Age at our website, which is www.modernagejournal.com. It's a, quite a mouthful, but modernagejournal.com. Uh, they can also uh, follow the organization where I'm a vice president for some of our student journalism activities, and that is the Intercollegiate Studies Institute, or ISI.org. Again, that's ISI.org. And next week, we actually have a very important event coming up in Washington, D.C., with uh, Senator J.D. Vance and with the post-liberal political philosopher uh, Patrick Deneen. And that's going to be on Wednesday, May 17th at Catholic University of America here in Washington, D.C. Again, if they go to ISI.org, they can learn more about that event. And hopefully we'll see uh, many of the listeners uh, you know, be able to attend. They can also find me on Twitter at well, Tory Anarchist, yeah. which is a curious label, but it's uh, a fun one. We're going to make sure everybody gets there. By the way, we'll, we'll have you back on or want to talk about that. J.D., Senator Vance kicked off the show tonight at five o'clock, uh, and he is a huge favor of this audience and and daniel uh really uh honored to have you come on and, and share uh this analysis a very important piece on american mind we'll make sure everybody gets to it so thank you for taking the time tonight sir appreciate it thanks steve okay i want to get we're going to make a big deal this thing at catholic university next week i want everybody out there to see jd and daniel mccarthy uh very important okay stick around get up on Twitter. get up on getter and see us. We're going to have a live chat going tonight at 8 o'clock. I think it lasts an hour and a half now. The town hall is going to last 90 minutes. Maybe a little uh, wrap-up after that, but we'll want everybody up there. And we'll be back live here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, the shows today were quite intense. I will commit to you that tomorrow's shows will be just as intense. There's so much going on. I've never seen a news cycle like this. 8 o'clock tonight on Getter. If you're not already on Getter, reach out to Mo or grace they'll tell you how it's so simple to get on you just got to download an app totally free make sure you're on there tonight we'll see you back on getter at eight o'clock uh, for the town hall up in new hampshire uh, and we'll also see you back here live tomorrow morning when you will be in the war room make sure you lace them up tight tomorrow see you folks let me tell you about salty it's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. 
How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.